0: I'm Lauren and I'm Donna Grace. Welcome to the Life Rebalance Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Dr. Bridget Casey. She is a naturopath doctor who is passionate about helping others achieve wellness and vitality using natural means. Dr. Casey became a naturopathic doctor after finding personal success with this medicine and her subsequent desire to share this holistic approach with others. Dr. Casey is a well-rounded natural medicine practitioner, utilizing interventions such as herbal medicine, nutrition, homeopathy, and lifestyle counseling. She enjoys seeing motivated patients of all ages in a variety of conditions and has a focus on women's health and hormonal dysregulation, chronic gastrointestinal disorders, and autoimmune diseases. Dr. Casey, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the Life Rebalanced podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Donna. I'm happy to be here.
0: We met recently through a women's networking group focusing on leadership, and I was thinking about it, naturopathic medicine is not super common in our geographic area. In other areas of the country, like where Lauren lives, it's a lot more common. But I know around here, it's not as easy to find a naturopathic doctor. So can you share with our listeners a little bit about how this being a naturopathic doctor is different from traditional functional medicine? And I know you said your experience in this area is what drew you to study. Can you talk about that experience and and why you chose it?
1: Sure. Well, I guess I'll start there because it'll kind of all go together. So probably a little over 10 years ago, I was having my own chronic health issues especially digestive issues and whatnot. Basically, I just wasn't really getting any answers taking the conventional route. I'd kind of done all the typical workup and so forth and just wasn't really having any success or progress. So I started looking outside of that model and getting interested in nutrition. And the more and more I got into it, I started looking at graduate programs for nutrition. But I couldn't really find one that was holistic, I guess, if that's the word I want to use. They were all just um, a little bit more... Kind of like, this is what the USDA says you should eat. And that's kind of that. And I wanted something that was a little bit beyond that. And anyway, so I used to work in advertising and I was sitting at my desk one day researching these programs. And I remember finding this one school that did actually have a holistic nutrition program, but they had, it's actually a naturopathic medical school. And so they had all this stuff on their website about naturopathic medicine. And I was like, what the heck is that? Because I, I grew up in Rhode Island. I was living in Boston at the time. I had no idea what naturopathic medicine was, never heard of it, never saw a naturopathic doctor. So, so it was news to me, but I read about it on their website and I just knew like a light bulb went off, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing in my life. And so, you know, it was all about like healing the body with herbs and nutrition and homeopathic medicine and lifestyle, right? Like living a healthy lifestyle. So I didn't know you could be a doctor and do that. So that was kind of a big moment for me where I decided I think this is my new course of life. So I first went to CNND for myself just to kind of make sure it was legit and that it worked, you know, and that it was everything that it said it was, and had just a phenomenal experience. You know, I cried actually the first time I left Nashback doctor's office, the first one I saw, because I had never had someone listen to my story like that, and it was just so powerful. you know you're used to being kind of like rushed in and out of the doctor's office, you, you don't really have a chance to even explain yourself. And she took the time to really listen to me and what was going on, and I just thought, oh my gosh, like. That's amazing.
0: Can I just ask here? So a naturopathic doctor is someone who would work in conjunction with your traditional functional medicine doctor in a way. So you can both serve a client or a patient just in different ways. Are you approaching things from a different perspective? Is that a good way to describe it?
1: Yeah. So we do work integratively with other providers, whether that's conventional MDs or DOs or anyone else, really any provider that a patient's working with. We do work an integrative model. Uh, I would say the philosophy of how we practice is quite different. It's very similar to functional medicine, but naturopathic medicine has just kind of been around a little bit longer and the philosophy is kind of baked into the four years of medical school that we do, as opposed to like functional medicine tends to be folks who have studied conventional medicine and kind of gone back to get other training in sort of that root cause, um, holistic approach. So yeah, so the way we practice and the way we look at patients is more holistic is a good word for it. But you know, I'm trying to get to know my patient, not just what are their symptoms and kind of what's causing their symptoms, who are they as a person, why might this be happening? What is the best way to create long-term health and healing for that specific person? So it's not that we don't care about diagnoses. Those are important to us and we do diagnose and do labs and physical exam and all that usual stuff. But the treatment plan for any one person with you know, IBS, for example, is going to be different typically, right? Because we're treating the person and not the diagnosis. So it's a little bit more individualized and a little bit more coming from like a root cause perspective, figuring out why is this happening and treating it with natural therapies and lifestyle change. So the nice thing is we are also trained in conventional medicine and primary care. So we know about pharmaceuticals and we can Um, you know, work in conjunction with, with other doctors pretty easily.
0: You know, so often when we have something that's wrong with us, we will go to the doctor and we're treating a symptom. Like how can we alleviate a symptom as opposed to going to the root cause? And that's obviously not in all things, but so often if we could preventatively work on an issue, I feel like that could have longer lasting impact or could avoid medication in areas where like I know that I have some autoimmune issues. And if I could alleviate them without taking medication, I absolutely would. I haven't found that I've been able to, but I can improve the symptoms through more natural means. And so this is an area that I've wanted to look a lot more into. And I know that you do work with people who have autoimmune issues in addition to many, many others. But what I want to really focus on today is stress. Stress is something that can be caused by something external, but causes major physical symptoms. It manifests itself in our bodies in many different ways. And the fact is a lot of people are living in a state of chronic stress. And this can have really, really long lasting impact on our bodies, on our mental health. In addition to that, can you talk about some of how stress is caused and the physical effect that it has on us?
1: Yeah. So stress is kind of a catch-all term for a lot of things, but basically it's anything that's creating a a shift from balance or shift out of homeostasis in your body, right? So it could be mental, emotional stress, which is obviously high for a lot of people right now, given the circumstances. It could be anticipatory stress. So worrying about something that's potentially going to happen in the future does the same thing to your body as that thing actually happening. It could be a physical stress, like a chronic infection or inflammation in the body. And then there's quote unquote, good stressors, which would be like short term acute things, like exercise or, you know, cold exposure, briefly, and things like that. So stress is kind of anything that creates a shift in the body that your body then has to react to. But typically, when we talk about stress, we're referring to more of that like mental, emotional stress that we kind of think about, whether it would be related to relationships or job you know, or different things like that or lifestyles. Well, in my field of work in personal finance, I mean, we see finances causing
0: stress all the time, or we see financial issues coming up as a result of stress in other areas. So it's absolutely something that kind of like permeates your system, right? It ends up touching all areas, stress that you feel in one area of your life. Inevitably ends up spilling over into others, whether it be physical or, or non-physical, whether it's your relationships or your money. It absolutely does. Can you talk about some of the science behind it? Because I've read some of the stuff that you've written and we all know about cortisol, right? Especially as women, we all know about the cortisol and and hormones. Can you talk about some of that stuff? Sure.
1: So one thing I will say too is that, you know, again, your body kind of interprets most stressors in the same way in terms of how it responds. And so I think that's really important to remember is, and I'll circle back to that, maybe we can talk about some things people can do. But but yeah, so stress essentially, you know, it does affect all areas of your body, like you said. Really, we think about the nervous system primarily when we talk about stress. So you have something called the autonomic nervous system in your body, which essentially is also called automatic it's the part of your nervous system where you're not really thinking about it it's just sort of doing one thing or the other so it has two sides they're called parasympathetic and sympathetic also known as kind of resting mode relaxed mode which would be parasympathetic or that fight or flight you know I'm running from a bear sympathetic dominant mode and so that and that's what we think of right yeah yeah and so most of us you know in today's world are sort of chronically in that fight or flight mode, which unfortunately, you know, our bodies haven't evolved to be in that state long term. So our bodies are still sort of millennia behind where they're thinking, if I'm in fight or flight mode, it's literally because I'm running from a predator. So in terms of how your physiology responds, your body is prioritizing energy towards literally running. It's not putting energy towards things like, Fighting infection or keeping inflammation down or managing blood sugar or your hormone balance or digestion, right? So, a lot of the functions that we think about wanting to optimize today's world, if you will, are the people I'm working with, whether it be like hormone issues or inflammation issues or what have you. It's, ne- I say impo- it's nearly impossible to feel something like that if we're chronically in fight or flight mode because our body is putting our resources elsewhere. Does that make sense?
0: Sure. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you consider decision-making, right, in your brain, you can only make so many decisions at a time. And if something's requiring a lot of your energy, you don't have that energy to give to other parts. So that makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah. That's, I think, a piece to know is like, you know, I just try to I think the analogy of like running from the bear is helpful because people can think about, okay, if I was literally trying to run from a bear, what would need to happen? Well, my muscles would need blood in them, right? We would need to shunt energy there and away from like the thinking part of my brain, right? Or for example, like with, I work with women, we're not trying to ovulate and make a baby. If we think we're running from a bear, there's a threat coming, right? Your body's like, nope, I'm going to shut that down. Same with like an infection, which is, I think, an important piece to talk about now. You know, your body's not in a prime place to fight infection if you're stressed out all the time. Again, it's not putting resources towards that part of your immune system when you're in fight or flight mode. So it's really important to address this piece and not to cause more stress by talking about it. But yeah, there's a lot physiologically that happens in the body that basically is not ideal or optimal in terms of day-to-day life if we're living in chronic stress
0: do you work with a lot of women who are having issues with fertility and getting pregnant or regulating their menstrual cycle? Because I feel like I hear more and more often, I'm turning 39. I have a lot of friends who are their mid to late thirties and you know, who have just for years, maybe were on birth control for many, many years, and then are finally ready to start having children and cannot regulate things. And traditional medicine, not really having any positive effects, but then we'll go over to you know really addressing hormonal issues from a different perspective, and can have a huge effect. Is that something that you you work with?
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned, so with relation to stress, you know, if someone's trying to get pregnant, and people will say, "Oh, just stop worrying about it, and you'll get pregnant." As much as that is an annoying statement to hear, it does have some truth in it because, like I said, feeling stressed, your body—I should say—sensing stress. Tends to shut down ovulation, which is the key event that you need, right, in order to get pregnant and have a baby. So, yeah, when it comes to hormone balance and hormone dysregulation, there's a lot of reasons for it. Stress is certainly a big one. There can be other stressors on the body, like toxin exposure. You know, you've heard of things like BPA or whatever, you know, things in the environment, coming off birth control creates some issues. That's a whole other topic that I love to address. But, yeah, hormone imbalances are are very common now, even more so than ever. And I think partially because a lot of us have been on hormonal contraceptives for a long period of time, but also recognizing that the body is very resilient. We just need to give it the right information and the right inputs to do what we want it to do, right? So when we think about this piece specific to stress, it's like, well, if we want my body to ovulate, for example. I need to let it know that it's safe to do that and that I'm in a, in a space where I'm not, quote unquote, stressed out. Can
0: you talk a little bit about how weight loss and stress can be related or inability to lose weight while, while feeling chronic stress <laughs> can manifest itself? Because I know so yeah. many people who you're exercising think you're eating well, at least. I'll say think we're eating well because I think sometimes we, we give ourselves a little more credit than we deserve. But if we're generally eating well, And exercising, but still not able to lose weight because of stress. Like, what is our body actually doing? Are we protecting ourselves in a sense with the extra weight? Can you talk about that hormonal imbalance? If that's what it is, I don't even know if that's what it is.
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. So, I haven't really touched on. The hormones that relate to stress. So you mentioned cortisol earlier. So that's sort of the famous quote unquote stress hormone. Basically, when you have a really quick stress, like someone runs in front of your car, that's adrenaline, right? That's epinephrine, norepinephrine, that quick release. But anything that's, you know, minutes to hours timeframe of stress is usually relates to increased release of cortisol. And when this happens, we have this sort of dysregulated conversation between our adrenal glands, which are what secrete your adrenaline and cortisol. They're these little Little baby guys that sit on top of your kidneys, they're always in conversation with your brain, your thyroid, your ovaries. The endocrine system's always talking and kind of getting a read on the rest of the body, too. So when I think about, for example, inability to lose weight or dealing with a chronic stress response, et cetera, one of the physical glands that i focus on is the adrenal glands and how do we help support the adrenals again you know we want to make sure your body's out of fight or flight mode as much as possible but also can we kind of nourish those glands and kind of like refill the battery a little bit because they sort of get a little bit overworked if you will when we're constantly in stress so with weight you know there's a few things that happen but one thing that cortisol does is it raises your blood sugar it's a glucocorticoid so When cortisol goes up, so does blood sugar. When your blood sugar goes up, so does your insulin, right? And that insulin is basically a storage hormone. So most people know about insulin with like diabetes, but we all have insulin in our bodies. We need it to live. It's what gets glucose into our cells so that we can function and have energy, right? Right. But insulin is also a storage hormone. So what happens is like if you're not using up all the energy that's in your system in your bloodstream, what have you, the rest of that glucose goes into storage. So glucose goes up and insulin goes up um, because of cortisol. You know, your body's going into that storage mode because if you one way I like to think about it, for example, right, is if my body thinks I'm running from a bear or there's a famine coming or whatever, it's gonna the famine's probably the easiest analogy, your body's going to store extra energy. That's what it's always designed to do. Your body doesn't really want to be skinny. Your body wants to have extra calories should it need them, right? If you don't have food around for months at a time, you need to be able to burn that fat for fuel. So that's like the default mode of the body is to store weight, not lose weight. And so you are kind of fighting physiology in a sense to lose weight, um, particularly if you're constantly stressed, because your cortisol is constantly high or dysregulated and creating this issue with the blood sugar and the storage. Does that make sense? It does, but it also makes me feel like
0: now when people are looking to lose weight, really before you can even get into the math of burning calories or looking at your macros, that really taking a look at your mental health and your stress levels is equally as important for some people.
1: Absolutely. It's huge. And I would say in particular for women around like perimenopause and midlife becomes even more important. And we see this even more because adrenals are asked to do more work during that time. So yeah, it's a big piece. And Can you actually say that again? Because I think that that's really (laughs) important because... As
0: I'm approaching 40 and I think about my younger self, I say this all the time, when I was in my early 20s, I knew exactly what I needed to do if I wanted to get in a little bit better shape or drop a few pounds before I was going on a vacation or had a big event. I knew that I needed a certain amount of time to do certain things and I would get certain results. And now at this point in my life, 15, 20 years later, I'm at a very different point in those same That same input does not yield the same output. You know what I mean? So how can I be thinking differently? Or do I need to just give myself grace in this? (laughs) Like, But how can I think differently about how to approach? It's not a problem, but how to approach the
1: goal. Yeah, I get this question a lot. So I'm glad you're asking it it's definitely super frustrating for women. You know, there's enough going on typically when we're in our 40s and in 50s. So on top of that, not being able to lose weight like we used to or what have you is another stress, right? So as we approach perimenopause, I think of the adrenal glands kind of like a battery. And the more we've been using them, potentially maybe the more we've been stressed or had chronic inflammation going on or other reasons to have cortisol elevated, your battery kind of drains, right? So as we head towards perimenopause, your ovaries start doing less work and your adrenal glands pick up some of that slack. But if that battery is already drained and you're asking more out of those adrenal glands, right, it becomes harder and harder. So I would say that's kind of in a nutshell what's going on is that typically people try to cut more calories and exercise more and you know maybe do things that they weren't done in the past, but it's actually having a negative effect because it's creating more stress on the body. And it's not to say I'm opposed to things like exercise. I love it. But again, we need to recognize it is a stressor on the body. And we need to be doing the types of exercise that our body responds well to and can recover well from. And is that
0: going to be different for everybody? Or is that going to be different for everybody and different at different points in your life as, yes. as you're describing?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes and yes. Yeah.
0: How about when it comes to something, I guess that's a little bit less physical and a little more a little more mental, I guess I'll say, but when it comes to decision-making, because I look at stress and living in a state of stress as something that really inhibits our ability to make good decisions. And it has to come from that whole, like being in the fight or flight mode, right? Mm -hmm. Your every decision is about survival. If you're in that fight or flight mode, you're in survival mode. You don't have the ability to complete thoughtful and strategic decisions. If I'm in a state when things are good, when I don't have a lot of external stressors, when I don't have even just little things, like multiple things kind of trying to gain my attention at the same time. Like you think about it, if you've got kids around or if you've got people at work asking you to do things while you're trying to make a decision, that causes stress. Those are little stresses. But now we find ourselves in the middle of this pandemic. We have a financial crisis. We have health issues. People people don't even realize the state of stress they're in, I believe, I I talk to so many people, and you probably do too, who are like, things are okay. Like I still have a job. Maybe I'm healthy. I'm just sheltering at home, whatever it is. Like Overall, in the grand scheme of things, we say we're okay. It's really because we know things could be worse. But that doesn't mean that we're not in a state of stress. How does being in that state of stress affect our ability to make decisions that align with our long-term interests to make decisions that really help us move towards our goals, whether it be personal or professional or whatever it is. Can you talk a little bit about that, the mental toll or emotional toll that living in a state of stress can put on us?
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, when we're in a state of survival, our decision-making is impaired. So basically. Energy and blood flow is concentrated in kind of your hind brain, your amygdala, your reactionary part of your brain. The prefrontal cortex, the front part of your brain, where you're really is your decision-making brain. It's your ability to think about the future and plan. That's kind of where you would probably want to make most of your decisions from, right? Particularly when we're thinking about finances or planning. But unfortunately physiologically, you're not actually in a good place to do that if, if you're in stress mode. So that is a very real thing, making decisions out of our survival place versus feeling calm, safe, relaxed space. They are going to typically be different decisions and different actions that you might take. But yeah, I mean, stress has a huge impact, of course, on our mood and our mental health. So it's a, an absolutely huge trigger for depression and anxiety. I see that All the time, there's some great studies on this too. But both depression and anxiety, which are two extremely common mental health issues, you know, they were very, very common, growing more and more so even before this pandemic. And now we've got, you know, this big situation that's kind of affecting everyone at this point. So Having some level of stress and some level of mood shifts, I think is completely normal. I think the important thing is to tap in and recognize what's true for you. So something I'll tell a lot of my patients is to try to get familiar with their own body cues. So yes, I'm the doctor and I will give you as much great advice as I can, but I'm never going to know your body as well as you do, right? So it becomes a part of your self-healing journey to recognize your own signals and what your body is telling you so for some of us that may mean okay everything in my world seems okay i don't think i'm stressed but oh, all of a sudden i'm like yelling at the kids way more than seems like i should or i'm getting snippy with my partner or i'm holding my breath all day or i feel tension in my neck or my digestion is way off right so one of the first things i would recommend is to start noticing like what is happening in my body? You know, what's true for me? How am I acting? What kind of decisions am I making? Are they in line with where I want to be going with my life? And I think that's the very first thing to do is just to recognize and get real with yourself about where you're at.
0: To me, I think that would be like a hugely eye-opening thing for someone because if you're living in, or if you have been living in a chronic state of stress, you just kind of get to a point where you believe this is your normal it's normal to feel this way. And the idea that this isn't normal and you can feel differently has to be like a really big moment for people, I would think. Yeah. I know that there have been things in my life that I just kind of have accepted as normal and then realized this doesn't have to be normal. I can make decisions to change. There are things that can be done to improve the way I feel. I know people who have had that from the perspective of digestion for a long time is that you deal with that often. Can you talk a little bit about that and how like it's not normal to constantly feel bloated, even though a lot of people accept that as part of their norm?
1: Yeah, in terms of people's normal, it's certainly a big part of that too is like what's their history, what kind of environment did they grow up in? Were they living in a traumatic environment in their childhood? That kind of sets you up for being in stress response long-term too. So I think that's an important piece to touch on is that, Someone's normal may be quote unquote normal for them, you know, since they were two or whatever, but it doesn't mean that it's healthy or ideal either. So, you know, I don't want to diminish what anyone's experience is. But yeah, I mean, I do. So yeah, I work with digestion a lot, you know, naturopathic medicine, we, we say everything starts with the gut. So even if it's hormones, I'm working on with someone or their mood or specifically autoimmune disease, you know, we're always looking at digestion in the gut. So for some folks, they're like, yeah, you know, I poop once a week and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, let's start there. That's not great. Sounds
0: terrible. Yeah.
1: So, you know, but for that, (laughs) that may be, that may be their experience of normal, you know what I mean? So then we talk about, okay, well, this would be better if you were going every day, you know, or not feeling bloated or this or that. So yeah, I think um, part of, what I like to do with my patients is kind of teach them a little bit about physiology and what's ideal and actually normal from that perspective so that they can then use that information to, again, tap into their body and be like, okay, so this week, you know, I stopped going to the bathroom or I had diarrhea every day or whatever. Then they're like, okay, that now they know that that's not normal so they can start thinking about why did they get to that place? Maybe what was happening that led to that? So I think part of it is, is like I said, kind of tapping into your own body, but also understanding like, what are things maybe supposed to look like?
0: That's so interesting. And I do hear that all the time. It all starts with the gut. I feel like gut health is something we're starting to hear a lot more about. Yeah. That kind of leads nicely. And I was going to say, what are some of the things that you do or strategies that you use with your patients Maybe if it is stress is the issue, if you're looking to improve the symptoms that you see as a result of stress.
1: Yeah, it's an awesome question. Um, there's tools that I, or things I will prescribe, which I can get to in a second. But again, the first thing is going to be, okay, noticing for yourself, what does stress mean for you? How does it show up in your body, physically, mentally, emotionally? And then what do we do about that? Okay. So one thing would be thinking about what are these stressors in your life, right? So for example, you as one person may not be able to change the fact that there's a pandemic going on, but we could maybe change our approach to it or we could change how we're spending our time, maybe our extra time at home, right? So thinking about what can you change and what can't you, right? Like what are the negotiables and non-negotiables? And then look at your time spent therein. But also what can you do for yourself to remind your body and your system that you are safe, that you're in that parasympathetic mode. So to get yourself into that mode, there's a lot of different things you can do. And I have a handout that we can link to, I think that gives people some ideas. But one of my favorite techniques or tools for shifting your nervous system out of that fight or flight mode is literally to breathe because, you know, this is something we need to do anyways. It doesn't take any extra time. It's super easy, you know, and that could literally be as simple as, right? Deep inhale through the nose, long exhale through the mouth. Just doing that five times, can shift your nervous system just like that, right? So
0: I know someone who actually has it on their Apple Watch to remind themselves to breathe. They have to remember to breathe on a regular basis and it sounds so simple. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say silly, but simple, right? But- so impactful when done intentionally.
1: Yeah, it's huge. And there's a lot of different breathing techniques that you know I like to teach and what have you. But that's super simple. Everyone knows how to breathe in through their nose and out through their mouth. And just trying to make it a regular habit, again, recognizing, oh, I'm feeling some tension in my chest. Let me let that be a trigger to remind me to breathe, right? Or, you know, every time I pass through this particular door frame in my house, I it's like a little trigger to me that, oh, I'm gonna take a deep breath when I go through here, right? So kind of using your day-to-day, finding triggers and reminders in there to whether it be breathe or, or, you know, there's also other techniques, but I think that that's something that's very accessible for everyone. And it's just so, so helpful. I hope it's accessible to everyone, given that it's so important and
0: frankly, integral to being alive. So yeah, that is. When we have guests on our show, we talk about balance and how at any given point in our life, there's going to be certain areas that require a larger allocation of our energy and our time and our focus. Um, and that's okay. I think as women, we, we often feel like some level of guilt if everything isn't getting an equal amount of attention, but no, it's okay to allow certain areas to have more of your attention at any given point in time. Is there an area of your life right now that you feel like is getting... Um, that you've decided to intentionally give the focus of your attention.
1: So I opened a, my own clinical practice in Rhode Island about two years ago, and after doing medical school and residency and all that fun stuff, so I'm back here, and that's definitely taken a lot of my attention. I think, in general, I guess this new career path for me over the past ten years has generally taken my focus and my attention, which is very fulfilling for me, and I do feel like it's my calling in life and what I'm supposed to be doing. So. I'm happy about that, but also recognizing there are other areas that I would like to, you know, shift some attention into in the near future too.
0: Oh well, that's perfect because my next question was going to be, <laughs> what are the areas that you've shifted attention away from in order to be able to do this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say, I mean, not my personal life on a whole, but partnership would be probably mm-hmm. the biggest one. I and mean, I'm, I mean, I'm 36 and single, not married, and whatever. And you know, a lot of my friends are married to kids and all that fun stuff. And so, not that I Am envious of that or anything. I mean, I think everyone has their own path, but I've recognized that I've prioritized a different part of my life for the past 10 years. And so that's something that I'm wanting to maybe <laughs> shift some energy.
0: Oh, it's so hard. Like it's the pressure, right? It's that, it that well. pressure <laughs> of the clock, I suppose. Are there any habits that you find are, have been really helpful in terms of helping you with building your practice and you know, really it's because it's a lot. It's, it's, You have the whole medical portion of things where you're changing career paths and doing your residency and you're also starting a business. So these are really, really big things. Are there any habits or systems that you found to be particularly helpful?
1: Yes, I would say the thing that I find the most helpful is a consistent morning routine.
0: I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean and I know I'm sure I'm not the first person to to say this on here but it's absolutely huge for me. I mean I have my, you know, I get up, have my glass of water, uh meditate and work out and like those couple of things if I can get that done in the morning just sets me up for the rest of the day for success. I, it's every time that I, you know, miss that or you know, I have to run to a meeting early or something like that, the rest of the day is just inevitably not as productive. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same.
0: Well, also if you've if you've created this habit for your day, then having those things done is your trigger for the next yeah. thing. And then that's the trigger for the next thing. So it does, I understand what you mean when you say it can throw you off a little bit. Do you find that if you don't have the time to do your full morning routine, are you able to do little bits of it? You know the idea of a little bit is better than nothing at all. Or you can start it just a little bit. You don't need to do the full five mile run, but if you can run around the block, at least you did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that something you you implement?
1: I wouldn't say that's um something I'm great at. I would love to say it is, but I mean, I would you know with something like meditating, yes, I'll do just a couple minutes if I can. And I don't I, I don't sit there for three hours. I mean, I do like typically fifteen minutes or something, but even if I just breathe for a couple minutes, like typically I, I'll do that. But for something like working out, I'm pretty bad at just doing a little <laughs> or doing yoga class or something. I'm. It's rare that I would do like a 10 minute flow instead of a whole class. I'm kind of like a little more all or nothing with that, which isn't great. I'd love to work on that. But yeah.
0: That's- we have a podcast episode for you. Let oh. me tell you. <laughs> yes. This is, yeah, this is something that Lauren and I have both really implemented over the last—I would say over the last year or so—in a much more intentional and meaningful way. Because I was very much that way as well, all or nothing in most areas of my life, to be honest. And I don't know. I found recently it's actually helped alleviate a good deal of stress in my life. The idea that you can still have progress without perfection. We can talk about that off air. Definitely
1: recovering perfectionist.
0: (laughs) Recovering perfectionist. I love that. (laughs) So your business is Rhode Island Natural Medicine. Correct. Yep. And that's also your website. So if any of our listeners want to go check out Dr. Casey's business, you can check it out at naturalmedicine.com you do have an ebook on there that I know you can get for free it's a great download about stress and it also includes in it some great tips if you're just looking for like small lifestyle modifications stuff like that because I think that that's really impactful if you can find little small things that you can do things that are actionable that don't require you know like a huge overhaul because that can be overwhelming especially in a time like we're in right now when people really are feeling stressed and just need like you know little small things that they can can do to have small wins right now that's something that will add up and help get through this time so definitely suggest going over to rinaturalmedicine.com and how can people follow you on social media who are you on social media <laughs>
1: My personal handle is Dr. Bridget Casey, so Dr. period Bridget Casey on Instagram, and then the clinic is RI underscore Natural Medicine. Um, so they're both on there. I mostly post on the clinic account these days. but I'm trying to get back to my personal one too. So mostly I'm on Instagram. I mean, it, it is connected through to Facebook and stuff, but I think if you're you want the latest and greatest, Instagram's the place to find me.
0: That's great. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? I really appreciate you taking the time to. To share so much of your knowledge. I mean, this is not my wheelhouse, but it's something I'm really, really interested in. So I was excited about this conversation today.
1: Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having me. And I would just, you know, remind everyone to be compassionate with themselves and recognizing that it's a tough time right now. No one's doing it perfectly. Just keep breathing. Keep breathing. I love that. Well, thanks for listening and be well. Thanks.